kids, sorry we forgot to mention it. You are staying with us for the whole service so that we're all together. You get to hear me preach. It's an honor to preach to you. It's an honor to preach on Easter Sunday. It's overwhelming. I felt all week like I was standing in a current of just thousands of years of people preaching on the text of the resurrection. And what's remarkable about it is, uh, is how little has changed in, 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 in the way people have preached this text, this story. Um, it's amazing. The kids did a great job of telling us the story, um, first thing, didn't they? Can we give a hand to the kids and to Molly and Amy and Anna? It was awesome. It was so great. The story of the resurrection is, of course, in all four of the Gospels, but I think John tells it best. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Simon Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. They were running together But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go into the tomb. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb. And he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. And then the other disciple, the one the one who came first also went into the tomb and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping at the entrance of the tomb. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. After she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, though she did not know that it was Jesus. And he said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you have carried him away, show me where you have placed him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I don't want to say too much. But I do want to say this, in case you missed it. That Easter begins while it is still dark. John doesn't want us to miss that either. Easter morning begins while it is still dark. And if you have arrived here in some darkness this morning, that is entirely appropriate. And maybe if we were able to be real honest, each of us, we might admit that we all come to God, to church, to each other, with some darkness that we aren't sure that there is a light powerful enough to cure. Perhaps it is a hopelessness or a doubt that feels like darkness, at least on Easter. What are the chances that anything like a resurrection ever happened? What are the chances that anything like a resurrection could ever happen? On Easter morning, while it is still dark, Mary has no faith. Not that there's a resurrection, at least. Not that Jesus is alive, anyway. She goes to the tomb to share a parting moment. It isn't confidence or hope that brings her to the tomb. It is grief. It is loss. She cannot sleep, so she might as well go and be near the body. And so whether you have faith that resurrection happened or not, you're in good company on Easter morning. But perhaps the darkness is more palpable. There has been death this week. There have been deaths this year, deaths that are personal, Deaths that we experience corporately through headlines, through the news. Deaths a thousand miles away and death on our own street. Good Friday makes sense in that way. Easter, not so much. Mary drags herself to the tomb before the sun's light has broken the horizon while it is still dark I imagine her lying in bed, eyes wide open, unable to sleep, running through the events, the blood of Friday and the sounds of mourning on Saturday, but now Sunday has come around, which is really more like a Monday for us. It's the beginning of the week. Time has not stopped. She must get on with it. Time is cruel in that way. It leaves no moments for mourning. And so while it is still dark, in her grief she comes to the tomb. Easter begins while it is still dark. Because that is the only place where resurrection can happen. The other thing I want to point out is simply that it's difficult to recognize the risen Jesus. The disciples, Peter and the other disciple, possibly unnamed because he's the author of the book, they go home. The one disciple sees and believes, we're told, what he believes. We can debate who knows what he believes. We can't be sure 
Peter doesn't seem to believe, not yet. But Mary, she can't go home. She cannot leave. She stands weeping at the entrance of the tomb. She looks into the tomb through tears, and not even the sight of angels distracts her from her mission to find the body of Jesus, to be with the body of Jesus, to grieve with his body. But she turns around at the snap of twigs or plants being brushed, and she sees a man but doesn't recognize him as Jesus. And you might expect Jesus to be unrecognizable because of some new risen glory that's just about his face, but Mary doesn't recognize him, not because he looks now like a king, because he looks like the janitor, the gardener, the landscaper. She thinks he's the gardener. Mary doesn't recognize him. Many don't recognize him. Even in other gospels, it becomes a theme. It takes a second. The disciples need to be convinced that Jesus isn't a ghost when he appears to them in Luke. Um, on the road to Emmaus, two disciples that seemingly should know Jesus when they see him talk with him for hours before they're able to recognize him when he breaks the bread. The disciples are on a boat in another story, and there's this guy calling them to them from the shore, and they're not sure who this guy is because they don't recognize that it's Jesus. We have a hard time recognizing the risen Jesus. Rowan Williams makes this point in his book on resurrection. We have an easier time seeing the Jesus of Calvary, of the cross, than we do of seeing the risen Jesus of Easter morning. That makes sense to me. Jesus was crucified. That fact is easy enough to accept. And the fact that Jesus understands suffering and pain and is with us in suffering and in pain is a great comfort. Jesus on the cross challenges us in so many ways, the ways we think about power and suffering. Very few people have a hard time accepting the facts of Jesus the crucified. But this morning, we come to call Lord Jesus the crucified and risen. It is the crucified and risen that must be Lord. It's easy for me to imagine that Jesus is with me in the pit, in darkness, in death. It's easier for me to say that and believe it than it is for me to believe and understand that the risen Jesus has overcome the pit and the darkness and the death. But like Paul, I want to see the risen Christ and know the power of his resurrection, but I do not recognize him. And I'm comforted by the fact that neither does Mary. Not at first. At first, Mary does not recognize the risen Jesus. She supposes that he's the gardener. And notice, she's never corrected. John doesn't correct her. Because John wants us to see that in a way, she isn't wrong. John begins his gospel in the garden by using the words, in the beginning was the word. In the beginning is a nod to Genesis, which of course opens the story with the phrase, in the beginning God created. So John opens his gospel in the beginning. Because he wants us to begin in the garden. Where God walks side by side with us and dwells with us and knows us. And the story in John's gospel comes full circle when he ends the story back where it started. In a garden. Mary turns twice. The first time, she turns and supposes that Jesus is the gardener. 
And she turns a second time when the gardener says her name, Mary. And when she hears her name, she knows that the gardener is her beloved teacher. But she has to hear her name to recognize the risen Jesus. When Saul is converted on the road to Damascus, Jesus says his name twice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? For Peter, it will take three times for him to truly believe. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon, son of John, do you love me? The, 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 the other disciple in this text sees the evidence and believes, but for most people, that will not be enough. They will have to hear their name called once, twice, three times, over and over and over again. That's the only thing that leads to the 180-degree transformation that the disciples experience. It's, it's required that in people ever since. From that book by Rowan Williams, he says this, The church is not founded by Jesus of Nazareth as an institution to preserve the recollection of his deeds and words. It's the community of those who meet him as risen and the place where all the world may meet him as risen. The evidence of the empty tomb doesn't convince people. The hearing of her name, Mary knows that Jesus is risen. We do not recognize him at first. It is often difficult to encounter the risen Christ because we are looking for something glorious, when in fact he is almost disappointingly unremarkable. We are looking for signs and wonders when in fact he shows up as the gardener. And we do not encounter the risen Christ because it's easy to avoid resurrection, to stay home when it's dark and early and there doesn't seem to be much sense in going to the tomb, to avoid conversations and dinners and parties and people that might help you see through the glass a bit less dimly. And when the world seems, as Gerard Manley Hopkins puts it, charged with the grandeur of God, to find excuses and justifications rather than gratitude. It's easy to avoid resurrection, to pass on funerals and births and weddings, those moments, to not allow anything to disrupt the balance we've struck between busyness and sloth, to be like the men in the story who return home. But if you want to see the risen Christ, be like Mary. Show up when you have no faith. Go to the tomb with all your grief and pain and spare none of it. Weep there. Talk with the angels and do not leave. And when you hear your name called, for God's sake, turn around and see if you don't recognize the sound of the voice calling you, the sound of the gardener, the one who created you, who knows you best and loves you most, who has been with you, and the one who has overcome on your behalf. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. May we have the courage of Mary even when it is still dark, to make our way to the tomb, to stand there weeping, until through tears we see the gardener and hear him call our names 
and get swept up in the hope that though the story begins in darkness, friends, it ends in resurrection. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's stand and respond with some more singing.